tattooing is one of the last meritocracies in art, and that's why I fucking love it. You can tattoo or you can't tattoo. You're either good or you're not good. It doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter where you went to college. You either can draw or you can't draw. And that's what's great about it. Welcome to the Flesh and Blood Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn. I'll be joined shortly by Andrew Lockman. This week on the show, probably the most talented, perhaps the busiest artist in Minneapolis, Heather Kim. We're going to hear all about her journey and the unique business model that she's created along with her partners. Stay tuned for that. I do need to apologize for the audio quality at times. We caught Heather in her busy studio. And we're super grateful for her time today and for sharing her story. Stay tuned. Heather, tell folks a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Heather. I go by Bunny for my tattoo name. Um, I'm a Korean-American tattoo artist based out of Minneapolis. Uh, My shop's name is Lucky Cat and we are a collective. So we're all owner operators here. Um, I am the proprietrix, right? And uh, we're just trying to change how tattoo shops run in America. Tell us about your origin story. When did you realize that you were an artist? How early did you start drawing? And then, and then how, how did I you... have superpowers and what I do with them? The only thing I can do is make it rain with the spider. But other than that, I've been drawing my entire life. I have a chemistry degree, but my graduate degree is in painting and critical theory. I thought I was going to be a museum curator. And uh, funny enough, that's mostly nepotism. So you can't get that job. It's not real. So I became a pastry chef and I was really enjoying that until like uh, my late 30s. I went to go get a tattoo, ended up talking to the artist for three hours. And she insisted that I can't like come back and be her apprentice. And she was right. We're still really great friends. And here I am like eight years later. Yeah. Wow. So your first tattoo was, was there just another tattoo? Or was your first tattoo in your late 30s? No, my first tattoo was when I was 19. It was my second date with my now husband. He had not enough money for the giant sublime tattoo on his back, but enough for me to get an oriental butterfly tramp stamp. <laughs> because at 19, I was like, I'm oriental and I like butterflies. And that's forever. That sounds right. So <laughs> There's so many different threads to pull on there. Chemistry, museum, curation, pastry, chef. I don't know which one to go down first. Mike, did you have an idea? Well, I'm curious about the book. Tell us about Sweet Revenge. The book is, it was written at the time for my eldest niece, right? She's queer and in junior high at the time. And the kids are being super mean because she skipped a grade. She's brilliant, but totally nerdy, right? And it's like, yeah, life's hard, kid. Eat about it. Plus those kids that are killing in junior high, this is it for them. That's the highlight of their life. Like you're going to go far. So Mm -hmm. if you read the dedication, it's all for her, right? And then, of course, my sister had to go have more children. So they're like, where are our books? (laughs) (laughs) Well, working on it. You may be listening to this. Where where are their books at? (laughs) I know, right? Oh, God. Tattooing for children? I don't know. It's not as good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So are you still doing pastry? I think in COVID, right? I did fall back on pastry just because there was nothing else. So... It was fun to do some wedding cakes and to do birthday cakes. And I do consultations still with different restaurants and different purveyors. And that's great. Uh, most of my pastry background is based in like a specialized pastry. So like gluten-free, sugar-free, I mean, you name it, I can do it, right? A lot of the molecular, like molecular gastronomy things for pastry. 
it's great that that translates with my like my background and into like something that's applicable, right? Mm-hmm. So that's been fun. I've been working with recently Minneapolis accidentally made weed legal. I don't know if that would hit like national headlines, but it's kind of funny here for us. And so for the first time, we have a huge edibles market and um, keeping THC, right? Suspended, right? And not, you know, not degrading at all, right? And at what temperature and what kind of sugars would you take to hold it? It's kind of a science. And so that's been fun to consult on things like that. That's interesting. So that's sort of like uh, your Walter White moment. You're taking your knowledge of uh, chemistry and applying it to drugs. <laughs> okay. Did you just compare me to Walter White? <laughs> in, a, in the best way only, of course. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I just need to get much more violent. Yeah. Yeah. Work on that. Right. Tell me, has your knowledge of chemistry translated to your work as an artist with ink? Absolutely. I think that I went to go get a specialization with Liz Cook five years ago, and that really changed my career. Uh, it went from being like a fine line artist into being specifically like a cover-up artist or being um, a medical artist, right? And the certification I got with her was with the areola nipple complex, but also, right, with microblading and tattooing different types of skin and different thicknesses across the body, including scar tissue. And I proudly say that the example they give, right, for areolas on this book's website is mine. <laughs> wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> How did you make that connection? Uh, you know, like, I'm a dorky fangirl, right? And Liz Cook is wicked smart. And so I, have, I think there's a couple of artists like that that I've just been messaging over the years. Kelly Doty is definitely one of them, right? And so is Liz Cook. And, I mean... It's funny to know that all these women are friends just because like the the group of women that are smart and intelligent and give a fuck and want to do better right in this world that are tattoo artists happen to all know each other. <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. So uh, I was lucky enough to uh, get to meet her and then get accepted into her class. Wow, that's great. And do you do that work often? Do you do... You do what do you call that work? It's actually like, it's medical. You're... Mm-hmm. I call it medical tattooing. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's the gen- like generic term I put it under. There's also um, I take care of people who have scars, in particular, like cutting scars, right? So things that have a couple of layers, where it's difficult to find a tattoo artist to work with. But I would say medical tattooing, cover-up tattoos, take about half of my my workload right now. I haven't had my books open in four years, so <laughs> that's another thing too. For the medical work that you do, I guess I'm curious if anyone can try to expense it as a medical expense. You know what I mean? Like have insurance cover it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It just depends on what the procedure is, right? I know that some companies are generous enough to cover X amount, right? As far as uh, top surgery is concerned. So gender correction surgery or for um, in particular too, I want to say like mastectomies nipples, the nipple area complex, it takes a few sessions and that can get quite pricey if you want realistic ones. And it's nice that insurance companies will cover that. As far as like scars are concerned, I know that I've had like a mixed bag of reviews. It just depends too, especially with gender correction. It's so broad right now. And I think they're still trying to find parameters, but you can always petition your companies, uh, your insurance companies to cover it as well. The other one is tummy tucks, 
So uh, usually they leave kind of like an odd belly button. So it's like putting a three-dimensional quality to the belly button as well. That's a common one as well. So interesting. So I was wondering how you would describe the style that you've that you've come to. It seems illustrative. I don't know if I have all the right words, but it's beautiful. Leans a lot, you know, very towards uh, floral and so forth. But how would you how would you describe it? And what was your journey to finding it? Did you make other stops along the way? I mean, if you look at my flash sheets versus my regular work, my regular work is mostly customs. I would say the vast majority of it. Flash sheets are fun, right? And a little irreverent. And uh, I enjoy those greatly. It's whatever I'm interested in at the time. I have done some things as far as I got down like in a weird dark hole of 15th century German occultism, especially the woodcuts. And I did a whole flash sheet based on that. But like as an artist, my interests vary. And also I'm an avid reader. So on average, I read anywhere between two to five books a week. It seems like there's sort of a diffusion happening away from any... I don't think there were any corporate studios in the tattoo world, but that people are going out and opening their own studios. And I think this is our sixth podcast. And I'd say four of them followed that story. And recently, it feels like. So just curious what your thoughts are on tattoo studios and the artists and the relationship there. Because when artists take a percentage of the art, of the artist's revenue, then that can get delicate. And so it seems like people are kind of moving away from that model. I mean, capitalism works, right? If you're the person on top. The majority of us aren't. And if we're artists, none of us aren't. And it's been my experience too, that artists tend to respect other artists. And here we are. We are four women here or female identifying and we respect the hell out of each other. And why would we take any money from each other? Like, why wouldn't we just share expenses and encourage each other, give each other honest feedback about each other's work and just grow from that? And like, we understand that that's not a business model that's normal. And so we've committed to three years together, which that's a long relationship. Like most regular relationships don't last three years. But also I've already worked with most of these women for three years. And... Our response is so wild at this point that I could open another studio with four more artists in a heartbeat. I could just rent out another building altogether or buy another. And your software, literally, right? Like Hyper Tattoo is what has made it possible because you can just be an independent artist and not necessarily have a personal assistant or have a shop assistant. And there's no reason to have shop assistants or have like the way that we do it here in America. It's punitive. It's punishing hell. I just, I was doing a special event, right? At a brewery this weekend. It's Surly Brewing. So it's one of the largest and the best, right? In the state. And this dude who I apprenticed under seven years ago, he wasn't the person in charge of the shop, but he was the lead artist. Apologized to me for being so abusive and not speaking up for me when he saw that I was being sexually harassed at work, which is essentially why I left that job. And then the owner tried to kill me. And these are not stories that are rare at all. If you speak to any woman in this industry that has been in the industry five years, they can tell you a story just like this when you'll hear hundreds of them. And it's not that we want empathy. It's not that we want sympathy. I'm looking for equality. I'm looking not to get harassed at work. I'm looking for like my coworkers to stick up for me if I am. And not say that I'm lying or what have you or gaslight me. We're just looking for like decent human beings. And so I think that's what we've created here. 
It's a safe space. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. If you were talking to a younger version of yourself who was a budding artist, um, and let's say that there's someone out there right now listening to you, one of your <laughs> many, many followers on Instagram, how, how, how should they know if they actually are an artist? And what would you say about, uh, about entering the tattoo industry in 2022? Literally trying to find a work-life balance. It's trying to find a shop that doesn't abuse you, right? And doesn't abuse what you can do and what your abilities are. And although that sounds really clear and simple, I mean, we all worked at a shop that was queer female owned, right? But was also racist. So there's the things that like exist right now for people of color. I'll say this too, because it's insane. Because my name is on everything and I am the proprietrix, right? Of this shop. We're not getting charged fees this year from the city of Minneapolis because we are the first female minority owned tattoo shop in Minneapolis. Wow. How is that even possible in 2022? But the industry is so set and so, I don't know, stringent, right? Like with its like patriarchal bullshit and rules, right? It's really hard to break it down. We were told for years that we weren't smart enough or wise enough or savvy enough to open up our own tattoo shop. And I think we just proved that wrong. Well, it sounds like you're about to possibly open your second if you wanted to, like you said. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I do have a real estate agent. We're looking at buying a building. You would keep it in Minneapolis or are you looking going global at this point? You know, like I'm not from Minneapolis. So I was born and raised in Chicago and I moved here from LA. So I think we really love, Rebecca and I really love Salem and I love Chicago, but also Emma and Sarah really want to open up a spot in Australia. So yeah. Super cool. We'll see where we go in three years. But I also think that we'll all still be in touch and we'll probably guest spot each other's shops and hopefully not have to touch an alligator or anything weird. Well, let me just ask you briefly about that about guest spots. Do you do you have artists come and guest spot at your studio? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been fun. We've had good God, Ramiro. That's his name. I can't think of what his last name is. Uh, he's Rebecca's friend. He's guest spot out of uh, New York, right? A couple of times. We have friends that are local. We have friends that are in the Midwest. People who are coming in. I have a friend from Korea who's coming in, but I can't mention who their name because technically it's illegal in South Korea to get to be a tattoo artist or get tattooed. So, mm. but they'll be coming in, and that'll be fun too. Uh, it's illegal, I think, in Japan too, isn't it? That's uh, because of the the gang affiliation. I'm not familiar with that. Um. Yakuza. Yakuza does their uh, their rankings and tattoos, mm. and in order to reduce their influence, they've made tattoos illegal both in South Korea and in Japan. I sit here, you know, massively privileged, and I'm tangentially related to the tattoo industry. What can someone who wants to be an ally do to help you and to help help folks that are that are challenged in that space? Absolutely. I mean. My dude, you're not seeing him right now, but he's a big white dude with a giant red beard. And if he hears bullshit, he says something. Mm-hmm. Like we were at the the brewery tattooing for their darkness day, right? And these terrible men came up and were talking about how I was Asian and how it looked like I had a massage table out, right? And uh, and then some other inappropriate comments based on those two. And the people that were with me were also Asian, right? The the person that was helping out 
and she froze because it's difficult to react in that situation. And Scotty got up, right? And those men fled. And I'm like, that's nice. So sometimes all it takes is for you to literally stand up, right? It's for someone else to recognize that their behavior is inappropriate, incorrect, and also unwelcome. I think that's a lot of it. I was at the grocery store and an older Caucasian man touched my arm to point out a tattoo he liked on it. But it's inappropriate because you can't just touch people. That's wrong. And um, this other man in the line said, hey, did you ask her permission to touch her? And I'm like, thank you. Like, that's all I need. I need advocates. I need other people who are willing to like stick their neck out and being like, that's wrong. Don't don't do that. You wouldn't want that. And so I think, I mean, I love that question, by the way. Thank you so much. But also absolutely, please, when you see bullshit, call it out. If you wouldn't want your friend, your girlfriend, mother, sister, whatever, being touched like that, why would you want a stranger touching another person like that? Because they could just be unleashed on someone else that you care about too. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for that. And I think, um, what about advice for for folks coming up? Like I, we talked a little bit about this, but young tattoo artists, you've said it's probably not a great space to be in. But what advice would you give them if they if they really want to get into that space? It's hard, right? It's the hard industry. It depends on the artist too. Like is a queer person of color asking me? I'd probably mentor them. There's so few of us. Uh, that I would just be like, do you need help? Do you need safety? There's someone right now that just got out of their apprenticeship and she's like a wonderful human and she's at a terrible tattoo shop and all of us feel very protective over her and uh, we just tell her to come hang out at the shop. Learn from us, learn what you can. We'll try to get you good recommendations into a better shop. But it's basically, I mean, tattooing is that, right? It's a mentorship thing. It's who you know and who can help you. It sucks that it's that way too. But if the person is a really talented artist, people will follow them. People will absolutely get tattooed by them. Tattooing is one of the last meritocracies in art. And that's why I fucking love it. You can tattoo or you can't tattoo. You're either good or you're not good. It doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter where you went to college. You either can draw or you can't draw. And that's what's great about it. Thanks so much to Heather Kim. Thanks to you, the listeners. If you want to learn more about Heather Kim, check her out on Instagram. Check the show notes. We've got links to all the resources, everything we talked about today. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love to get a review and a rating. It'll help us improve the show. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.